Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Office Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I'm the managing editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Tyler Tischler, the owner of Superior Book Promotions and Market Fiction. And I'm Victor Volkman with Love and Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's March 16th, 2009, and welcome to episode number 82 in our series. Tonight's topic is our 2009 Marketing Roundtable, and we'll have a conversation about the good, the bad, and the ugly of marketing. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can send them to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we've got a full docket on the table, so I'm going to be very brief with our bios. Irene Watson is, of course, the author of The Sitting Swing, Finding the Wisdom to Know the Difference, the proprietor of Reader Views Incorporated, bloggingauthors.com, Inside Scoop Live, and many other publicity and marketing-related activities. Tyler Tischler is the owner of Marquette Fiction and the author of the Marquette Trilogy, a saga of 150 years on the shores of Lake Superior. And he is also the proprietor of Superior Book Promotions, a full-service literary and editorial consulting firm. And I'm Victor Volkman, the publisher behind Loving Healing Press and Modern History Press. And we have a full line of books on trauma recovery, personal growth, and coping with disabilities. I'm also the editor of numerous anthologies, including the most recent, More Than a Memory, Reflections of Vietnam. So we're going to have a free-for-all discussion on many critical book marketing aspects, such as Amazon launches, online author readings and podcasts, editing and proofing, awards programs, book giveaways, author and publisher associations, and we hope we may get to even more topics. So uh, I'm going to be the ad hoc moderator, and we'll start off uh, asking Irene about her experience with setting up Amazon launches. How does it work, and how do we do it successfully? <laughs> well, successfully, that's a good, uh, really good question because it either could be successful or it could be a major flop. The uh, Amazon book launch, online Amazon book launches are getting to be more popular because more authors are finding that doing a local book launch is not only costly, but it also doesn't attract as many people as an online book launch does. So basically with an Amazon book launch, the main idea is to sell as many books as you possibly can on one day in a 24-hour period so that your ranking will go up and also you could claim to be one of the top bestsellers on the Amazon list, which could be really easy to get providing you sell books. And from what experience I have, in most cases it takes anywhere between a minimum of 50 to possibly 75 and some genres that are more popular like novels or mysteries or depending on what is being sold and what is popular at that particular time, it may even take as many as 100 sales to get it to the top number one on the list at that time. So basically how it works is you as the author would connect with as many people as possible to become sponsors. And what a sponsor does is offer some type of a gift or a bonus or something that's free. It could be a download of a book. For instance, when I am a sponsor for, uh, personally, when I'm a sponsor for Amazon, I give a uh, an e-book, uh, a book that's in print, and that is my gift. 
and others have maybe um, they could do some white papers or portions of a book or ebooks or articles or anything that would be a gift and would entice people to know that they're getting some type of bonus. And so what the sponsor does then also is not only gives a free gift, but also sends emails to their list. And these emails would be an invitation to that specific date, to that particular launch party, and uh, hopefully attract some sales. Now, it's really important to consider a few things that we've done books, um, Amazon launches that are for brand new books and also for books that are several years old. And it's really, I think, by the looks of it, important to have a new book that nobody actually has. Now, a recent one that we did, the uh, author sent out invitations to all her friends and family and uh, a sponsor. She had some really good sponsors. But it was a brand new book, and nobody had purchased that book previously. And that is important. Now, on the other hand, we had a book launch for somebody that the book already was several years old. And many of the friends and relatives and, and uh, acquaintances and so on had already purchased the book. So the sales were really down. So it's important to do that immediately and when the book is published and um, make that as the official launch. And um, then it could be successful. There's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of work. Sponsors are not easy to get. And sponsors also will say that they will send out invitations, but you always can count on some that will not because they always say they will and they promise they do. So that's basically it, and they are successful if they're worked right. Well, that sounds pretty straightforward. So can you give us some, for instances, of uh, ones that you've been involved in recently, specific titles? Yes, of course. Yes, the most recent one we did was with Shala Abdullah, and the name of her book was Saffron Dream. It is a novel. It um, certainly it made the uh, top ten. She had a lot of sales. I personally had one for myself, and it went very well. Even though it was a reprint, I still was able to sell enough to make the top ten. So, it, but you have to work it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we had really good success. Actually, it was almost a year ago with AIDS Orphans Rising. We had a an angel come in who was sort of a guru of self-help marketing, and he, he let us you know use his list of people to invite to, and I think we sold uh, 243. So that was really uh, – shows you what, what you can do if you put your mind to it. <laughs> exactly, and it's all in the sales. And uh, yeah. it's basically that's all it is, you know, is to get as many people to buy the book on that particular day. It's no different than being on the New Year your bestsellers list. You know, it's just that some particular store that's chosen that particular week is the one that has to have the high sales, and it's basically it's selling books. That's the bottom line. Cool. If you want to clarify, you don't really need to in any way work with Amazon itself or notify them. It's all just done through sending out emails and requesting that people go to Amazon on that day. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And I'm really glad you asked that question because one particular book that we uh, recently had a launch for, it was a self-published book. And unfortunately, Amazon, even though they were told that we were going to have a launch on a specific date, did not have enough books in stock. In fact, they didn't have any books. And what had happened is when people had ordered the books, they ended up canceling the orders because they uh, didn't get them. And uh, so that was really unfortunate. 
Now, you know, that's because it was a self-published book and she wasn't using Amazon's normal source for supply. And uh, it really, if the book is actually goes through somebody like Ingram, that's not going to be an issue. But, no, Amazon yep. really doesn't have to get involved at all unless, uh, of course, uh, you know, you're self-published and you need to make sure that they have the books on that particular day, which could be here and there. Right, exactly. Okay, great. Moving right along, let's go to our second topic, which is uh, author audio, I guess is the short phrase for it, and how you can take advantage of it's one of the cheapest ways and best ways to get publicity is to use the power of the voice, which you know people are attuned to, and there are a number of ways to get the word out. You can do uh, readings of chapters. You can literally sit down and, and read a chapter at a time, and there's a service called podiobooks.com, P-O-D-I-O books.com, and they sort of specialize in author-read books, and they expect you to, you know, turn out about a chapter a week, and you get people sort of subscribe, and they're starting to listen to you a chapter at a time, and if they're into your story, they'll probably buy your book, and it doesn't cost you anything to uh, to join up to podiobooks.com, and the basic tools you need are more or less a, a $15 headset you can buy at any electronics store. I'm uh, talking to you right now on the Plantronics headset, which is a, a three-way headset. You can plug into your USB port or you can plug into your microphone port. But really, any old cheap headset will do. And a little bit of audio editing software so that you can take out those times when you have to clear your throat or the dog barks and so on. There's lots of freeware for that. The number one package right now is Audacity, A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. Just Google for Audacity and you'll be able to download a copy of that. I spent just a little more money, like, I don't know, 30 or $40. You can get a Gold Wave, which is really, really nice for audio editing. I, I use that for all the podcasts that I do. So once you get your file recorded in, in MP3 format, then you can post it on your website. You can put a little uh, player applet on your website so that people don't have to download the whole thing first. That takes a little bit of web programming, but the good news is people have fast enough Internet nowadays. It's not a big deal for them to download 10 megabytes and wait for the whole file to download before they can listen, for the most part. So those are the, the basics of uh, putting your audio online. The other thing that I like to do is uh, is if I get invited on a blog talk radio show, there's lots of these blog talk radio things out there. They're always looking for guests, and their shows are recorded, so you can download the MP3 later. And uh, it may be an hour-long show, and you've only got a 10-minute segment buried in the middle. Well, it's easy enough to cut out the other stuff, and you get a very nice professional-sounding audio segment that you can use. Questions? Uh, Victor, could you tell us a little bit more about Podio Books? I've never actually heard of it, so I'm, I'm intrigued here. Is it, do, do you actually store the recordings here, and do they have like followers who go there to listen to the audiobooks, like it's a library? Right. You uh, upload your MP3 file to their site. I believe it's stored on their site, you know, just to guarantee availability and so on. And I'm looking at the homepage right now. I see that uh, today's activity, uh, five episodes, they call them episodes, but I think of them as chapters. 
because they're kind of installments. But you can think of it as in the old-time radio sense of, you know, episodes. Five episodes of How to Succeed in Evil, the novel. Uh, one episode of Lost Gods. Uh, one episode of Ancient Prophecy, book three of the Target Trilogy, and so on. So there's people in all kinds of different genres uploading stuff, and you kind of subscribe to the authors that you like. And uh, here's some statistics. They have 6,000 chapters, chapter readings available right now, spread across 296 titles. So that looks like an average of 20 episodes per title. Do you know anything about the kind of traffic that they get from people that want to listen to the books? Well, they claim there's 56,000 members, which I presume are, are pretty active, so... I imagine that you could easily um, pull down a couple hundred readers a week with this. I'm just going to click on one of the titles here, and let's see, called, here's a title called The Communion of the Saint by Alan David Justice, and the genre is magical realism. <laughs> that's kind of a mind-bender. And it's got a little synopsis of the book, and uh, here's ratings from people who downloaded it. They can rate it on quality of the narration, quality of the writing, and quality of the audio signal itself. And uh, you're allowed to uh, make a donation. Okay, if I like this episode or the whole book, I can donate something, and the author gets 75% of the donation. So, Victor, are those are chapters, are you saying, or are they... Would a person read their whole book, or would it just be a chapter, sort of a teaser, to entice the uh, listening audience to actually buy the the actual book? Yeah, I think you read out, you know, between 15 minutes and half an hour. You know, I call it a chapter, but they call it an episode. Whatever logically, you know, gives you a sense of continuity. Obviously, it wouldn't stop in the middle of a paragraph, but... Yeah, and if, if people like the way the story's going, they're going to like, geez, I want to just read the rest of this right now. I'm not, I'm not going to wait another week for the next episode. I think it's a great concept. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to our next topic, which is the importance of having an editor and a proofreader. And let's kick it off with uh, Tyler's comments. Well, we're kind of uh, stepping back here into more more traditional territory than our, our more technological things like Amazon and uh, audio uh, books. Um, really, it, it boils down to simply that you, you need to have an editor or a proofreader when you uh, publish your book. You have read your book many times, and you probably know what you what you believe it says, but somebody else needs to just go through it and kind of find the stumbling blocks more than anything as far as editing, what what parts need to be explained more, what is in need of um, some smoothing out, what parts are maybe repetitive, and um, really just just make it presentable, make make sure that it's, it's something that is going to attract readers, and um, you may also want to not only hire an editor, but then hire somebody different to be your proofreader to make sure that they catch all the, the typos because chances are, no matter how good of an editor you have, they're not perfect and they probably missed something or misspelled something when they were, they were fixing it. So um, you know, the, proof, the proofreader will go through and catch those typos and that'll just make the book even more presentable for, uh, for your readers. They're, they're less likely to be thrown off or distracted from the plot if there aren't um, you know, errors in the book and you know, you, you want your book to look as, as professional as possible. And really, the biggest um, 
the biggest error that self-published authors make is they try to cut edges, and usually it's with the editing and the proofreading. So, um, Tyler, I know that um, as a book review service, we get a lot of uh, self-published books, and unfortunately, a lot of the self-published books have a stigma that they're just not proofread, they're not edited properly. And, you know, it really makes a difference because when a reviewer sees that and actually puts it into the review that the book needs editing, the marketability of that particular book really goes down. And so maybe you can speak on to that a bit. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and it's, it's very sad, especially for um, self-published books, that it's editing and proofreading problems that give self-publishing a bad name. And, the truth of the matter is there's a lot of wonderful self-published authors out there. There's a lot of them that do get their books edited and proofread, and they're, they're very good writers. Um, it, it's more the, the very amateurish um, authors who maybe it's their first book or uh, maybe they just they think they have a good story to tell and just assume people are going to, are going to enjoy it. And um, the, when, the, when the book has typos like that, I, I mean, you could make the argument that people have already paid for it so you didn't lose any money there, but you have to remember that um, if not your first book, if your second book has, has errors like that, chances are your readers aren't going to come back to read your second book. And even with the first book, word of mouth more than anything else is, is going to sell books. And if people start um, telling their friends the book isn't very good, um, you're, you're going to definitely be losing your sales in that way. And word of mouth is so important because, you know, it's a relational aspect of marketing. And many people do relational buying. They will talk to a friend. Uh, maybe they're, you know, wanting to read a book and they would ask a friend, well, what did you just read? And if the friend said, well, I just read a book, but gosh, you know, it's so badly edited, it really spoils the book, there goes the sale, really. Right, and, and nobody has the time to read every book out there, and it's just like uh, the same thing with book reviews. People read the book reviews to figure out which books to read. It, it helps them weed out the, the good books from the bad books, and if you get a negative book review because you're your book has editing errors in it or, or typos or, or uh, you know, I've even read history books where they're referring to, you know, the year 1776 and they typed in 1976 mm. and <laughs> nobody caught it. Um, books where, you know, President Roosevelt's last name is spelled wrong. I, I mean, that that just completely destroys your, uh, you know, any any sense of, accuracy or authority that you have in, in writing that book when there's mistakes like that. A couple of words that come to mind and just, uh, is, you know, people get diary and dairy mixed up or lamented and laminated. I mean, those are both words that word checker will say is correct, but they are yeah. totally different meanings. <laughs> right. I keep finding uh, loosi- losing and loosing all the time. Yes. Proofreading and editing can be your, your best if unseen ally. I mean, it doesn't stand out like the book cover, but it's certainly no less important and over the long term, probably more important than your book cover. So, yeah, good, very good point. Let's segue over into awards programs. And Irene has done a lot with awards programs. In fact, she runs one. And let's hear what you've got to say. And I'm especially interested in how do I find out if something is a legitimate award or just a vanity award? 
You know, that's such a good question because we started our awards program three years ago, and at that time there were fewer than what there are now. And it seems that uh, a lot of people that have a website and review books or do whatever, something to do with books, all of a sudden come up with an awards program. And the one way to find out if they are legit or legitimate or not is what do they really offer. In our case, we offer book reviews. I'm not sure that you know, any other particular awards program will actually read the book and offer a review. We do that, and that's one way of making it legitimate. The other is, what what do you really get for it? Is there some kind of an award? Do you get a certificate? Do you get, uh, is there monetary value to the award? Do you get stickers? Do you get a press release? Different things like that to really check and see what really happens. How are the books judged? Are they judged by, or is it even revealed as to how they're judged? And the reason I'm saying that is because we had an experience this year, a book came in, and um, we um, we always check. We always check the ISBN. We always check to see that they're somewhere in the actually published book. And lo and behold, the ISBN that was on the book, when we checked, it actually had, I believe, three different books under that number. And I approached the author about that, and of course, this was all news to him. But what was interesting is he had already received an award from somebody for that particular book, so it's obvious that those people that gave the award did not actually check or read the book, because they would, if they would have checked, they would have realized that the ISBN and the book title don't match. And so, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, are you checked? Are they checked? Also, the other thing is, does every book that gets entered into the award get a, a prize? I know that some of them do get placement. Every book that is entered gets some type of placement. So is that legit or not? You know, I don't know. And yet, on the other hand, getting an award really gives credibility and exposure for the book. It, um, you know, if a book wins an award, it's, there's so much that the author can do with it. They can get uh, the readership attention because it is an award-winning book, and now the author is actually an award-winning author. So there gives them more credibility to the potential reader. Also, the author, once they get an award, they can send a notice to wholesalers, book buyers, agents, the trade media, libraries, anybody that could possibly be interested because once a book is given an award, it's obvious that there is some merit to it that may be better than others or whatever. So, uh, you know, the authors can certainly capitalize on that too. And really, the authors should always put that into their marketing budget as uh, to submit books for awards. There are many awards out there, and the majority of them do have an entry fee. And... Uh, you know, I know that there's some controversy about entry fees, but hey, when I'm on the other side of giving awards, there are so many expensive, a person, expenses that a person wouldn't even consider that there would be, but it takes a lot of time and effort to just catalog them, to keep get them reviewed, to buy the stickers, get the uh, awards, certificates printed, mailed. You know, this goes on and on, and there's a huge expense that comes into running an award the program. So, but I just really encourage every author that does write a book 
to consider at least entering the book into two or three different award programs. And we'd like to interrupt our broadcast for just a moment to announce our first collaborative book, Authors Access, 30 Success Secrets for Authors and Publishers, edited by Irene Watson, Tyler Tischlar, and me, Victor Volkman. This book contains the distilled wisdom of more than two dozen guests to our show in an easy-to-read, easy-to-understand reference, organized into chapters that reflect the life cycle of your books. Authors Access, 30 Success Secrets for Authors and Publishers, lets you learn about the best practices and avoid pitfalls in writing, editing, cover design, marketing, book reviews, online presence, genre and children's books, and many other key topics. As a special thank you to it, we'll include a free Best of Authors Access CD-ROM jam-packed with MP3 files from all our shows. And for more information about the book, just go to our homepage, www.authorsaccess.com, and click on Success Secrets in the upper left corner. And now we return you back to our show. Thanks. That's a great overview of, of the situation. And uh, I have one author who's been particularly aggressive about searching for awards. And I, I, they seem to break down into the contests that don't really have a fee or maybe like a, a very low fee, like $20. But you have to mail out one copy of the book to between four and ten judges. The most egregious being the National Book Award, which I think wanted you to mail out 24 copies of the book. Right, and then it kind of makes you wonder. It's, uh, I mean, that's a lot of copies. Yeah. And, you know, do 24 people really need to read a book? You know, I question that. but It <laughs> makes you wonder. <laughs> it does make you wonder. Yeah, yeah. So there that's the other thing is, you know, how many books are they requesting? Does it make sense? I know that yeah. there are some that uh, ask for five, and but they don't disclose that actually five different readers read the book. So it's important to check out things like that. You know, who actually does read them? Why do they need X number of books? Yeah, Excellent. I know I've, I've, I've seen often where you mail five copies of the book to one address, but sometimes they tell you specifically to mail it to five different addresses, which I would assume would make it more legitimate in that way. Exactly. Yes, for sure. I uh, also encourage people to seek out the book awards that really focus on their niche. For example, uh, if you're an Asian-American writer, there's the Asian-American Literary Awards and so on. There's really a, there's almost a niche award for every type of every type of book if you really look out there. And it would be something that would be really cool to have, you know, not just like the Ben Franklin Award or whatever that is for best self-published book, but one that really speaks to... The, to your excellence in, in your particular niche. Exactly. Um, and that, that's so important because it just gives that book that much more credibility, for sure. Great. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, book giveaways. I've done a number of these things, and uh, ironically, their effectiveness seems to be inverse to the number of books that you give away, which sounds counterintuitive. Okay. I found that a lot of these little review sites or special interest uh, readers' blogs will let you 
award them a book to give away randomly to one of their participants, and that gives you basically a book cover up there uh, of your book and a description of your book and probably a link to Amazon for a whole month. And that's the sort of advertising that you'd end up having to pay, say, $50 for on myshelf.com. So it's a nice way to get placement in a high-traffic area, and it, it raises public awareness of your title. And a few people might decide, hey, well, darn it, I just want this book, so I'm going to buy it. So I really encourage people to look for those those small reviewer and specialty sites that have a you know one or two book giveaways a month. I've also done the the extreme opposite, which is library thing, which has their uh, library thing early reviewers program, where publishers put up a minimum of 15 books, and some of the big houses are in there too, which is why I got interested. You know, like your your Random House or your Simon and Schuster will pony up 75 or 100 copies and uh, they have one giant page where everyone can go and uh, click on basically click on the book cover to have that added to their list of potential uh, books that they receive at the end of the month it's all done you know on a specific day of the month so there may be 50 titles up there on librarything.com in the early review program and you decide you want five of them you click on five of them and maybe you get them or maybe you don't. Well, the idea was that people who would receive these books would actually write reviews. I mean, that was sort of the purpose of it. But in actuality, I've seen maybe it's lucky if 30% of them will put in some comments, and uh, some of them can be quite harsh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've gotten some of the lowest, most scathing reviews uh, on librarything.com. Uh, so... And I can't really say that I I ever saw a surge off of a library thing, so I eventually, I mean, I've discontinued it. Maybe, you know, it works better for some genres or some people, but uh, I mean, my thinking is 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 go for the, the, the smaller sites. Victor, do you know um, much about authors using e-books as a giveaway? I'm wondering if that's, a, you know, more in, in some ways a better avenue for for authors just simply because the cost of an ebook is less than a paper book plus it saves you the trouble of the postage right yeah kenneth mclean the author of the vibrational universe and a couple other books he said really had a lot of success with that he has a, a number of ebooks that are available for free download and they sort of draw people in the next thing you know they're they're joining his weekly newsletter or they're listening to his uh, podcasts, and then they're buying books. So it's sort of a way of, of pulling people into like a sales funnel, which we would talk about in the bad old days of, of sales, where they, you kind of move them through these stages of, of getting buy into the product. So, yeah, it's a great a great alternative. And, and when we talk about ebooks, are we also talking about books that are uh, formatted now for the Kindle reader? Is that something that you're seeing? Well, that's a great question. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a mechanism exactly like that for Kindle, unless I'm mistaken. I think you can, you know, you can charge a price as low as one dollar for your Kindle ebook, but I'm not sure you can make it absolutely free. But you could, you know, if you if you had a backlist title, you know, that you wrote five years ago, you could sell it for a dollar, you know. And that, that's because Kindle's owned by Amazon and they're looking to make a profit, I assume. 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, there's no cut in it for them if if you if you were able to put your book up there for a penny or something. Although, seems like it'd be a great idea. I want to go back a little bit on the book giveaways about Victor and. I know that those are successful because we run book giveaways and we give away six per uh, month. And we have anything between 1,200 to 1,400 entrants for those books. And what I've also noticed, because we have links to Amazon, and actually we do get, I can track the um, the linking, and we do oh. actually get, yeah, we do get people going from the book giveaways to Amazon and actually purchasing. So I'm really pleased, and I think I agree with you. It does work. It does work. So, And also, I wanted to comment on the library thing, too. I think that it was a really good idea when it started. But what's happening, I think, is a lot of people, the so-called viewers, are only wanting free books. And that's why, like you say, maybe 30% will put in reviews where the other films, and some of them are really trashy. So it's, you know, it's a good thing that really could have been a really good thing, but it's obviously not working the way it should for publishers and authors. It's more so on the free book, get the free book concept. So. Yeah. I mean, they're really nice people there, but it just doesn't deliver sales for for yeah. considering I'm, I'm sinking like $500 into one of these campaigns. <laughs> and, you know, you have to sell a lot of books to get back that $500. Yeah. All right, let's uh, turn it back over to Tyler, and he's going to tell us about uh, how author and publisher associations can contribute to your marketing mix. Well, the first the first thing I want to say here is that most of the authors I know, when they start out, they, they tend to be um, introverts, very shy, and the best the best source of information you're going to get is by talking to other authors and other publishers. And you can probably start out by doing that through a local um, association, whether it's a group that's there in your city or maybe a statewide organization. And uh, just just talking to the other authors and publishers, because especially the ones local to you, they know better than anybody else what is a successful way to market your book in the uh, in the community. They probably already have contacts with all the bookstores and the gift shops and the different. Uh, places where maybe you could go and give a presentation. So you really get a lot of marketing ideas um, by belonging to an association, by um, you know becoming, becoming much more professional, by, by building off of the information that you can share with your, with your fellow authors. And you know just like um, hopefully we have lots of listeners tonight listening to this program, you, you know you share ideas, you get new ideas, you help, um, other people marketing their books, and they tell you the pitfalls to avoid. So, you know, I really think joining an, an author or publisher association is one of the best things that you can do. I uh, certainly agree with you, Tyler, and it's important because, you know, other the peers that have been there already have so much information, and they're willing to share, and that's what's neat about it. Yeah, and, and I definitely also want to add that you want to do that before you even get your book published. You really need to be going to... Uh, to meetings, uh, conferences, seminars about the publishing industry and finding out everything you can possibly do so before you publish the book. And that, that was a mistake that I made in the beginning. I, I published a book through a, a POD company, which I actually um, found out later af- after doing so. It was almost impossible for me to make any, any profit. It's hardly possible to do anything more than break even. And 
had I joined an organization before that, they would have walked me through the whole process of, you know, getting my ISBN number, um, finding a printer, you know, all those little details. So, you know, for the, for the cost of joining one of these organizations, you know, it could be anywhere from, you know, $20 to maybe a couple hundred dollars a year. You're, you're going to make that up in no time through the information that you're going to get from uh, the other members of the association. Exactly. And in a business where even the tiniest mistake can cost you between, you know, anywhere between hundreds and thousands of dollars, you, you really can't afford not to have the information on, on your fingertips. I believe the Independent Book Publishers Association has a director, a nationwide directory of these things. Uh, Tyler, do you know of any, any comprehensive listings? Um, yeah, I I, th- I do believe that they do have a list of of, uh, of them. They do have, um, you know, like I, I'm the president right now of the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association, and we are a member of of uh, IBPA. We're also a member of SPAN, the Small Publishers Association of North America. And uh, you know, I, I think both of them actually at least maintain lists of all the other organizations that are members of of them. So you know the like our group would be listed there, and uh, probably lots of the other local and, and smaller, more regional uh, publishing associations. Right, and if you've got a lot of initiative, you can certainly start your own. I went through uh, Meetup.com, which is a sort of a generic organization that's designed to facilitate face-to-face meetings between people, and you can literally type in any special interest you have and find out if there's a, a group in your area. Uh, I was looking around, I didn't see one, so I created one called the Ann Arbor Independent Publishers, and we've got a, you know, a monthly meeting where we can get together and, and share ideas. So, yeah, go ahead and look for one, and if you don't see what you want, you can make your own. <laughs> and, and not only just make your own, but if, if you join one of the larger ones, um, what you can also always do is form your own chapter. I mean, even even here in uh, Upper Michigan, our our group pretty much covers all of Upper Michigan, but it's a, it's about a 300 mile uh, area, and we we haven't yet, but we have talked about forming different chapters in different cities. And you know, we may only have five or six members in a city, but they may want to get together once a month and and talk. And so that that's another possibility. Right, right. A little shout out to Sylvia Hubbard at the Motown. Uh uh, Writers Association. She puts on a conference every November, and it really brings together a lot of expertise uh, for just just a few dollars. And she's got yeah. you know newsletters and everything. And and they can get great speakers. I mean, uh, the Upper Peninsula Publisher and Authors Association does not have a great budget, and yet uh, we have Dan Pointer coming to our meeting on May 16th. And who, <laughs> who better than Dan Pointer to come and be your guest speaker? <laughs> Yeah, you have to get him uh, get that recorded and put it up on YouTube or something. <laughs> That'll be great. All right, let's uh, spend a few minutes now and talk about blog tours with Irene, who has some experience in marshalling these things together. What is a blog tour, and how does it work? All right, well, blog tours are great. You know, it's a great way to get your name and your book out there. Basically. Yes, we do blog tours, and each uh, person that goes on a tour will maybe end up going to 15, 18, 20 stops, and this will be at a different blog. The tour coordinator makes arrangements prior to the blog tour, let's say it's, uh, it's the month of uh, May, so 
in April, the arrangements are being made to go to all these stops in May. And what you would do is you would have your book sent to maybe four or five or maybe six different blog uh, owners, and they would review the book and they would post the review, or others would do an interview with you, or others would maybe ask you to do a guest post. What happens is every day of the week, except on the weekends, you would end up stopping at some blog. And there's a lot of uh, media hype that goes with that. Uh, it's uh, put on. There's a press release that's sent out. There's also a lot of people that sign up to get the uh, uh, the information wherever the blog tour is going, wherever the stops are. And it's up to you to also let your uh, people on your list know that you're stopping at specific ones. And people will follow you. And not only that, each one of the blog owners has their own following. And they may have, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 people that are following. And so they will then announce to their people on their list, and usually probably through Twitter or maybe through a newsletter or whatever, that all these stops are happening. So all of a sudden you're just branching out and you're going to be really getting out there. And what's interesting, I went on one of these tours at first before we started um, offering them because I wanted to know how this works. The ranking went up on my website by a large number. And because people, yeah, it was interesting because people kept coming to my website. Not only that, when Google does spidering, they look for how many links are linked to your website. So, of course, if you blog to stop, you do, there's a link. And so, you know, if you go 20, that's 20 links to your website, which then raises the rankings. And that's really important. And, uh, you know, the ranking will stay up there, and it'll actually get people to go to your website and when you have interesting things on the website, maybe things for them to do or buy or whatever, and they will buy the book there. And uh, and also it's important when you're in the blog tour that you follow the blog tour where you're going also and make comments. And other people will make comments and you can actually have conversations with people by making comments on each blog that you stop in. So it's, it's really a good thing to get your name out there. And what's interesting is you know, you're going to be in a search engine. And so that when somebody is searching for you or particularly the topic for the genre that your book is in or whatever your blog post is about, your name will come up. It really gets up there in the high ranking of Google. So it's really a good thing to do. Blog tours are great. I really great. Can, can you explain a little bit more about how it works in terms of what what does the author actually do? Is it, is it that the people owning the blogs are just posting the book and something about it, or is the author like having a chat with the owner of the blog each at each stop? Or no, usually it's pre-planned, so it's either the blog owner will do a review of the book because you you know you as the author would send that blogger the book and they would uh, read the book and they would post the review on there, or they might interview you some. Some bloggers will do the interview. And so there is participation. When I was busy, the month before mine, I was busy. I was, you know, sending out books. I was answering uh, questions for interviews. I had, I think, about four or five or six interviews. I uh, had to write several articles for guest posts. So I was kept busy. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of work to that, too. So, you know, there's a lot of participation the month before. And, of course, the year in the blog, there's participation of uh, making comments and responding to people that make comments. Right, so there's definitely a, 
a day-by-day-by-day timeline that you're following. Exactly. Yes, there is. When I was on my tour, I even had to send a uh, book to a blogger in uh, the U.K., and so it was really great because then all of a sudden, I mean, she was a U.K. blogger, and obviously, you know, I had exposure there, and uh, Amazon U.K. does sell the book there. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, um, I've worked with a a really sweet bunch of people called parentreviewers.com, uh, which is run by Alina Ho, and they specialize in not just books but other products for for parents. And they're all, I mean, the shtick is they're all parents and they're all interested in reviewing uh, products. So I send them between uh, 12 and 20 copies of a book. You know, some some of them are in Michigan, some of them are in Malaysia. They're all over the place. And they... <laughs> synchronize their campaign so that on one day it's like a media blitz your uh, product or book is announced on all of these parenting blogs around the world which is kind of another cool way to go at it so I'm sure we're going to see lots more variations on the on the blog tour as, as time goes on and my god there's probably somebody out there with a twitter tour <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, blog tours are really successful. I was really happy with mine, and I know that, uh, you know, the many people that we have uh, sponsored uh, the tour for, I've been happy, too, because it certainly raised their rankings in full books. Okay, well, it looks like we're coming to the end. I'd like to give both of you a chance to chime in with any other ideas or things you thought of or or, or just uh, advice to people trying to take on marketing. Let's start with uh, Tyler. Well, I don't know where where do I begin? There's there's so much um, there's so much more that uh, you know that we could talk about. I I guess the um, the best advice that I would have is is probably to just get out there and uh, get involved and maybe just start small, do a couple little things and see how they work. Find out what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and then um, you know build on them. Ask other authors what worked for them. And, uh, you know, you, you, there, you don't even necessarily have to spend a lot of money. I, I think you're better off just kind of um, trying to spread the word. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of ways to do it, especially with the Internet. Through um, we, we didn't talk much about social networking, but you can do that. Um, like Irene was saying, the blog tours, it's a way to get around. It's a lot more cost effective than going on a city uh, tour from one city to the next. And... Uh, you know, in this age with the Internet, you know, marketing is really a, a way to reach out to anybody. I agree Great. with Tyler, and uh, for sure the Internet is, you know, the thing to do. I, I just want to mention that there's many times some of the authors still want to get their book into print newspapers. Newspapers are getting to be such, you know, there's a thing of the past because why would anybody even buy a newspaper anymore because that's old <laughs> news. I mean, you know, if print, whatever came out in today's newspaper was actually was on the Internet yesterday. So it's like, you know, forget it. Let's go Internet. It's like instant, and in, we're into such instant gratification, and that's exactly what the Internet gives us is instant gratification. So definitely I agree with that, Tyler. Use the Internet. And, you know, the other thing, too, is what Tyler mentioned about uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money, and I have to agree with that. Do what you can by yourself, and what you can't do, I mean, we're not, we just don't have, you know, we're not good at everything, and what you can't do, 
maybe it could be you can't write a press release. Hire somebody to do that and just really work it into your budget and hire people to do what you can't do yourself but do as much as you possibly can yourself and uh, have fun at it. That's the bottom line is to make it fun. Sounds like a great plan to me. Okay. Uh, one more round of plugs. That was uh, Tyler Tischler with SuperiorBookPromotions.com and, of course, Irene with uh, ReaderViews.com and myself, Victor Volkman from LovingHealing.com. And you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back on the air April 8, 2009, when our topic will be how to get your book on the store's front table with special guest Lissa Warren. You can learn more about all our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson saying goodnight. And for Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Volkman wishing you all a good evening.